Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. We are back. We missed a week. Uh, Brian has been super busy. That's okay, because we're back now, and we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, the rest of the March of the Machines aftermath previews, this time without any fingernails. And there's also a pro tour happening right now in Minneapolis. So, ton of stuff to go over. Yeah, no fingernails. No risk of the Pinkertons coming to get us after we talk about the set. Uh, so it's all it's all good. Everything's, that's, everything's coming up in our favor. That's both very true and very important. <laughs> mm, yes, it is. Although I think I think I'm at a point now where I'm I'm kind of off the grid. It might be tough to find me. You think so? You think they would actually have a hard time tracking you down? I mean, it would be more difficult than it has been previously. I will say that. Okay. But there are ways. There are definitely ways. Uh, I just, I don't know if they know all of them, you know? Well, the Pinkertons are just, they have a proud history of being one of the finest private sec organizations in the history of our great nation. You know what? uh, I have recently seen their webpage. (laughs) And I'm sure they're uh, pridefully boasted of all those things they've accomplished over time. Also, I guess we could talk about uh, how we got to actually hang out last weekend. Yeah, it was cool. We We went to the pro tour. Although not the one you may be expecting, if you are uh, here for the magic side of things, we went to the Flesh and Blood Pro Tour, got to spend some time together, which was very exciting. I did not spend much time at the site, so for those of you who listen to the podcast and are sick of Flesh and Blood, I, I did not get converted. I did not get phyrexianized or anything. I was yeah. mostly hanging out in the hotel, waiting for Brian to get off work so that we could order food from this very delicious vegan place and yeah just i don't know hang out catch up yeah watch a little anime some some good some bad we covered a lot of bases uh i took a lot of naps and by naps i just mean collapses from exhaustion and it was good it was a good time good to catch up again and uh you know do it with a little pro tour-esque backdrop and like you said we didn't really well i was at the site a lot uh doing coverage but you didn't really associate with the cider we we did try to briefly go to the after party we put pants on and everything but ultimately uh did not make it out yeah so, i did i did put pants on and then was like man why am i wearing pants this yeah. this was a mistake quickly took all pants off and just watched an anime instead yeah overall good as time. gentlemen do as gentlemen do uh there was also an arena open i tried to play in that and me too well yeah yeah <laughs> yours Yours was more related to the nap portion of things because you, you fell asleep yeah. in the middle of arena downloading, which like, I don't know, you know, you were working, but I, I don't know if it's really arena's fault for taking too long or for you just being an old man who, who needs to sleep. And you were also like jet lag still. So kind of arena's fault, but I don't know. Some of it is on you too. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't super invested and I, I actually was just planning, I think, to build a deck and then probably hand off my iPad to somebody else. To yeah, I, I think you game. honestly saved you from yourself. You you saved your 25 bucks or whatever, which is completely fine. I lost playing for day two because <laughs> I think I was going to lose anyway, but I definitely got killed by an attacker that was off screen. Uh, so that that is not a great feeling. Mm. No, no, it's not. Um, no, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, it's well, there, there's, there's some amount of stuff you can do. And like, I was, I definitely played games where I had to scroll back and forth to make sure that I had everything under control and I knew what was going on. And I, I did that during that combat too. It was just one of those things where I, I figured out my blocks and then kind of like midway through blocking, I was like, Oh wait, no, this is actually slightly better, which was true. If there wasn't a one, one off screen that was also attacking me. Right. Right. Uh, I wish I wish Arena was better. Like, I, there are definitely some diehards out there that that love Arena, and I do think that certainly getting to play Magic on my phone is incredible. But uh, there's just some things about it like that where it's just like that should that should just not be a thing. Like the the battlefield should not have a scroll bar when there's already so much dead space on in the client already. You know. Yeah, Arena is a solid like six out of ten. Like it is it is functional it does some things very well uh and then there's just like a bunch of glaring omissions where you can never i don't think you can make a good faith argument that arena like achieves everything it could possibly achieve it could certainly be way better than it actually is yeah but i don't know maybe it'll get there who knows yeah always a possibility 
Uh, it's been with us for a while now. And, you know, things seem to be shifting a little bit back towards paper, which I'm very excited to see a paper pro tour going on right now. I saw actual cards in play. When I tuned in, I recognized none of them and I had to turn it off pretty quickly. It just, uh, I, I needed some kind of assistance to be able to follow. And this is this is me. This isn't like their fault. I just am not deep enough in the limited format to be able to follow limited rounds, particularly when there were like multiple variants out there. And uh, I just bailed pretty quickly. Well, yeah, but there were also, uh, you know, foil cards in the draft. So some of the players had like proxies and stuff too. So I'm sure that didn't help you. But yeah, limited. I uh, it's just it's been a constant struggle, right, to try and make that more appealing to like an, an average oh, viewer. Oh, right? that's been going on for ages now. That's nothing new. Yeah. But then you tune into the first round of constructed and it was all bank busters and blood tithe harvesters and fable, the mirror breakers. So when you said you didn't recognize any of the cards, I knew you were talking about limited immediately. Yes. Because when you get to standard, uh, you know, there's this metagame breakdown and we'll, we'll go more into this um, as we, as we talk through this, probably this weekend next focusing on the pro tour but there's this metagame breakdown and it shows like a, a pretty reasonable spread of decks right you're like 18.7 percent rakdos 15.5 percent grixis uh 9.1 rakdos reanimator 7.1 percent grixis reanimator and then you're like wait a second <laughs> these are the same decks and they just have small variations and you know 50 percent of the field is plain fable and uh there there is a bit of homogeny that has crept into standard while being an okay format, I don't think standard's a disaster or anything. It's certainly better than some of the other steps we've had in the past with standard. Uh, it's it's just like very repetitive gameplay states that I'm, I'm not entirely jazzed about anymore. I think it was a good change of pace. It was good to get back to like real-ish feeling magic, you know, very mid-rangey, very on the battlefield. But now things have sort of congealed into this fabled base mess which uh, was always predictable, I believe. And I said, when I saw Fable, way before it came out. Yeah, reminiscent of the Oko PT too, where it's like you do your best to try and simplify the archetype so the breakdown doesn't look as heinous as it is, but it's like, what, what was the number for Oko? Like 63% or something? Something like that, yeah. Or it might have been closer to 70. 70, so like, yeah, yeah, 70 sticks out of my head. Maybe maybe it was a little bit worse than this actually, but uh, yeah, I, the, the games are are still a lot funner now than they were in that era. Which agree, low bar, but still worth noting. So this is not that terrible, and I don't think that this is you know underhanded in any sort of way, like them trying to. No, I don't think so either. Because who cares at this point? Like this is yep. clearly not even a thing that they even care about uh, trying to pretend like it's good or whatever it's just it is what it is like there is actually differentiation between these archetypes and what they're trying to do and stuff so it's it's helpful to separate them yep yeah I, i'm i'm fine with that i think it's a totally reasonable approach and uh i don't know do you want do you want fable to remain in this format like obviously it doesn't have all that much longer it is going to leave pretty soon when we get the full rotation right am i correct about that fairly confident about that it feels like the card has been here forever um, i'm gonna google okay thank you you sort that out i'll just make statements randomly rely on you to fill in the blanks good old what's in standard.com mm -hmm. uh yeah neo neo goes out got it yeah i guess it feels like i don't know both a long time ago and not a very long time ago you know what i mean it's to like me, oh yeah, it, it there's, feels there's, like an actual lifetime ago. There's like, just been so six much sets, has changed since then. Six sets since Neo, and I guess that does make sense. But just like Dominaria United, All Would Be One, Brothers War, March the Machine, like these are all recent sets that like yeah we did cover and everything. It's just I don't know. There's not a whole lot that makes them stand out to me because I wasn't like you know playing in the Pro Tour for this set and that set or whatever, right? Yep. So. Well, like as the as the time comes where we know we're sunsetting Fable anyway, would you like to see Fable leave the format for like the last however many months we have of actually? If there are standard? any events that are standard, then sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah, it seems like it would be a change that I would look to make just for diversity's sake. Even if like the metagame is fine, 
it just doesn't matter all that much. Like, like banning the card isn't an admission of failure. It doesn't ruin anything. I don't think you're going to create huge financial rip, ripples. I think it, like players would just appreciate a bit of a shakeup, even if it's just for ladder play. You know, if yeah. people are out there grinding the ladder, I think they would appreciate looking at some different cards for a little while. Yeah, I don't know the like arena qualifier schedule or anything like if there is a standard one on the horizon but that would be cool yeah yeah i'd like that change anyway let's talk about some aftermath cards because i do think we have a lot to get through sure okay so we talked about some of them already the yeah, one like 39 of them the first time i think we covered something like that so now i'm on mythic spoiler i sorted by newest and i'm going from there and then there's going to be some woven in here that we've talked about already uh, just because they were previewing like the official normal art or whatever, right? So might have to, you know, look at some of these and be like, did we talk about this one or didn't we? But uh, starting basically also from the bottom, I guess, Karn Legacies Reforged, Legacy Reforged, uh, an artifact, five mana, star star, legendary artifact creature, Golem. Uh, this thing's power and toughness are each equal to the greatest mana value among artifacts you control. At the beginning of your upkeep, add C for each artifact you control. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells until end of turn. You don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. So a waiting period on this card is the first thing that stands out. You, yeah, you I got to untap with this thing. Although, I mean, yeah. it's big, big for five, assuming that you've, I don't know, maybe you curved a four mana artifact into this or something that's okay uh, but if you get to untap with this thing presumably uh you just sort of get to go off right well you you don't have to worry about the four mana artifact right because this is just going to count itself so this is always minimum five, five. Oh, it is oh yeah among artifacts you control okay yep so that's cool i, I think that's like a, a very fair baseline you know five colorless five five with upside 15 years ago would have been an incredible card in of itself uh, there is some stuff tacked onto the back. So then you start asking the question, well, can I cheat on this? You know, what cards can I manipulate? There's all the prototype stuff, which works very, very well with Karn. Uh, short term, obviously. But I I think that works. Oh, no, it changes. It changes. It changes CMC, the mana it? value okay. and color. Okay, never mind. Uh, I mean, you can build up to that still. And like, I suspect you will play those cards with Karn to eventually... Level yeah, this up, but. I th I thought you were gonna say something along the lines of like you play the three mana version and then you can start playing the nine mana version. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. Though. That's a fine usage. Not what I was originally thinking, but I I think that is an acceptable play pattern. Um, but not quite the level of cheating. I think you're gonna have to get up to to make this card work. I don't know. It's it's weird that this looks like a hard limiter, right? Where you're locked into oh a deck that has mostly colorless things but that's not the way artifacts work anymore and i think you can have a pretty real deck and i hate that i just mentioned big red literally every single time <laughs> for a deck that never works but that's the type of setup i'm thinking that karn does play quite well into is just large red stuff mana rocks uh and, and you do accelerate pretty quick right if you go to like three cost mana rock into karn your next turn's really good if you untap, like really, really good. And having things that are modal, like the prototype cards, plays into that very, very well because you're playing on both sides of the curve at that point. Yeah, and this this counts each artifact you control. So you know, if you have like treasures or blood tokens or what have you, yep, you're you're getting some extra mana off that. But counts itself again, right? Yep. So like that that's really good. Um, yeah, this card's about as intriguing as a five drop five five that doesn't do anything upon immediately entering the battlefield can be I'd right say. yeah i i'm mostly there with you uh if if there were more incentives i guess to both feed this thing and things to play with it i i would be a little more stoked for it but even even the artifact stuff that you want to be doing it's just like i, I don't really want karn involved in that stuff you know yeah. like if there are Blood Tithe Harvester, Fable, Bankbuster things, you don't really need to be casting artifacts because there's no shortage of just, like, good creatures to cheat into play through other means like reanimation, right? Yep. So. He feels like win more in a lot of ways, like, if you're actually doing Karn stuff. And then the real issue is just there's better things you can do. Now, that could all change. Like, context is everything, right? So format changes, things rotate. Right. You know, 
Karn seems viable to me. I would at least look at it in the future. Yeah, then post-rotation, the format looks more like those blue-red kind of like artifact prototype rampy decks that we saw before and you don't have Harvester Fable anymore. So then it starts becoming like a little bit more appealing, but be tough. Have to wait and see. Uh, Yeah, my expectations are pretty low, but I wouldn't discount this card out of hand. All right, Sigarda, Font of Blessings, 2G Dub, 4-4, Legendary Creature Angel, Flying. Other permanents you control have X-Proof. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast Angel spells and Human spells from the top of your library. Uh, yeah, I mean, that seems that seems pretty good to me. That's a, a bit of a bit of reach, a bit of card advantage. I feel like this four-cost other permanents you control have Hexproof has been important in the past. Um, you start worry, wondering about ways that this can also get hexproof, and then you sort of create that lock, like the double. What was what was the the phantom thing called? The spirit card, where you would double up, play it, and drug skull captain. Drug skull captain. Yeah, yeah either either at, double captain or captain image. Yep, captain image was a huge portion of that meta game for a little while until we found all the good outs to it. But same type of scenario where you just can set up uh, very protected battlefields and even if you don't like this just being a lightning rod after you've done good stuff early on very nice coming with card advantage uh you know some immediate impact right it is possible to play this later in the game and just play something off the top and i i like this card i I think it's just like a good solid inclusion i wouldn't be surprised to see some one ofs and two ofs of this card floating around uh maybe even some sideboard spots where it's particularly effective really good at doing that thing where it's like the top end of your small creature deck and just makes it so you know your opponent's supposed to bring in uh their small damage effects against you something like a a mono red matchup where they're just relying on things like shocks and uh lightning strikes this card is going to be very very effective in those scenarios yeah i like this card well enough uh i played some amount of celestia angels in the past in both pioneer and uh explorer online and this this would have been a fine like one over two of like you said in that deck and uh it's, there there's always been like these cigardas that are good with humans and then mm-hmm. the human decks are either like pretty bad or the human decks are good and cigarda just ends up not being very good in them like there was the coven version that was yeah. just ended up being like a little bit too weak and i don't know i feel like this is fine there but it's certainly more appealing in the the angel deck i think yeah, that makes sense. Uh, especially because their setup is sort of combo-ish in a lot of ways, right? And they very much benefit from a card that says, you cannot target my combo piece. Uh, you have to target this instead. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Calyx, Guided by Fate, 1G-Dub, 2-2, Legendary Enchantment Creature, Human Druid, Constellation. Whenever this or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. Whenever this or an enchanted creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may create a token that's a copy of a non-legendary enchantment you control. Do this only once each turn. I think this is really strong. Like, really strong, actually. Archetype-worthy card. So Maybe. if you play like a one drop and then suit it up, you can potentially uh, Calyx on three and then get a copy in. Um, or are you thinking more like copying actual enchantments that are somewhat expensive and do things? I, th- I think both. I think you can probably split those two plans pretty effectively. And I think like the body is acceptable, like, Three mana, three three with a lot of upside. It seems very good to me. Uh, you move around that plus one plus one counter as necessary. It happens multiple times, so stack those enchantment creatures up. Uh, plays well with all of these sagas that are floating around, and I, I think the combos are just there where this is actually going to provide a lot of value. I'm not sure what like the best thing you're supposed to copy is like theoretically you can just lock someone down with leyline binding and have a removal spell turn after turn that's obviously very very exciting uh it's tough i don't know how much you're actually going to be doing that but certainly smaller ball enchantment based removal like ossification type things that's 
great. I, I think that's completely fine uh, to just have some way of doing evasive damage, have an enchanted creature. I'm trying to think what the best thing you can uh, slap on a creature is right now, like what the most value-based enchantment you can make is. Audacity. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Audacity is good, gives trample, and then it's also, it just gives you value too if like the thing eventually dies. It's like you're going yeah, it's interesting. Gallery, I mean, basically. this this sounds like a deck worth exploring, at least a deck worth building. Uh, and this is a card that like single handedly motivates me to look at that deck. I think the payoff is enough in this instance. Yeah, I mean, in terms of standard, there were the green white enchantment decks. There were also the weirdos or leyline binding decks. So like, there are already a couple shells where this could be pretty reasonable. Pretty high power, I think, for this setup. Uh, you know, earned its earned its mythic slot, I would say. Maybe more than a lot of these other mythics I see here. Yeah, fair. All right. Uh, Tyvar? we talk about Tyvar? I don't think so. I, f- I feel like we... No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so uh, either. Uh, 2BG, 5-4, legendary creature, elf warrior. Whenever one or more elves you control attack, they gain death touch until end of turn. And each creature you control has, whenever a mana ability of this creature resolves... Put a number of plus one plus one counters on it equal to the amount of mana this creature produced. This ability triggers only once each turn. What a weird card. Just it's very weird. weird. Um, it, it, it's one of those things where no matter what you're doing with your other elves, this is going to help it. It looks like the the abilities are kind of, you know, disparate or whatever, but they're kind of not. It's just like no matter what you're doing, this card is going to help you. It's just a matter of you know, do you care about these other things? I think this is most exciting in fair elf decks, like things that aren't trying to go. Yes. Like this card would be absurd in the PT Hollywood green black elves deck that Charles Gindy won with. Like it is, it is so very value focused and just a straight up good card that isn't about creating tremendous snowballs and i don't know if elves really look like that anymore i think they tend to get outclassed by the other stuff you can do because uh you know rock style decks and just like here's my generic good creature tends not to be all that good these days but if the elves are good enough if there are aggressive enough elves on their face and again like definitely worth doing an elf search with this card i think uh i could see the payout being there and also like there's multiple pieces of elf support, right? Like this is the second elf mythic in this set backed up by Nissa, which we were also quite high on when we saw it. So maybe the pieces are starting to come together for elves and you just take one or two of these next expansions and delve a little deeper into elf territory. And I, I think Tyvar could uh, be part of a legendary backbone alongside Nissa. Maybe. I don't know. I I do feel like the times when elves is even a remotely playable choice, like tier three choice, even it's because of things like Arch Druid and Shaman of the Pack. And it is very rarely because of like the Gindy style of stuff that you noted for various reasons, but that could certainly change. Yeah, it's all about the support. And these two cards seem like a good step in that direction of getting that type of support. But like I said, it is very hard to picture that being as good as anything Rakdos does, basically. So, All right. Uh, Sarkin, Samet, Rocco, and Pia, we all talked about, I think. Mm-hmm. So now we have Obnixilis, Captive Kingpin. 2B, 2BR, 4-3, Legendary Creature Demon, Flying Trample. Uh, whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life, put a counter on this, a plus one, plus one counter. Exile the top card of your library until you're next end step you may play that card all right this card does go off very hard for sure like very easy to do this reliably in rakdos sack type decks uh you will you will ping many times and uh this kind of sort of falls into a corvold type role where it's at the top of the curve and just creates this threat that is um, both huge, this this will get huge very quickly, and also getting you card advantage. But for some reason, I still don't believe it's that good. And I, I can't even tell you why. Like, I, having listed all those things, they seem like positives. But something about this just seems like 
a little too inefficient, a little too slow, uh, a little too passive, maybe? Well, I will say that for the last four sets or so, I have like updated Rakdos Sacrifice, and it just always happens to be too small ball compared to what the rest of the format is doing. Mm -hmm. And that is just sort of the problem that doesn't even really have anything to do with this card necessarily. Although certainly when previous Rakdos decks had that problem, they would turn to things like Corvold and like, you know, become a little bit more power heavy on the top end and stuff. And that would help them out a little bit, but. Uh, I, I do get the same sort of vibes from this sort of thing, but I don't know, maybe maybe after rotation that changes, things are a little bit more in line with each other, and uh, small ball is, is kind of where you want to be. I wonder if I'm ever going to be able to look at cards like this again and not just think of Cat Oven. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it would have been so easy, right? But uh, I don't know, now... With with this card, it's just like, okay, like, what are the things? Like, obviously, Anvil, but that's just a, a once-per-turn sort of setup for each one that you have, right? And yep. then you just got to dig a lot deeper, I feel like, in order to figure out ways to... Because Corvold was just comically easy to trigger multiple times per turn, right? But, like, yes. this this is a little bit tougher. What if... I mean, what about reaching back to those older formats, things like Pioneer or if it's your thing? Explorer? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, man, this, like, people have played Corvold in Pioneer Recto Sacrifice, and yep. it's it still has a lot of those same issues that I talked about when people would go towards Corvold, and I feel like, for the most part, this is just a better version of that effect. Like, it's a little bit different. Um, if, if you wanted, like, the five-mana version of that card, you could pretty easily still splash it and get, like, the raw cards and the bigger body and everything like that. But I feel for the most part now with this, you just won't have to. Like, you can just stay in Rakdos and just have the cheaper option and have it serve roughly the same purpose. So, yeah, like, this this will see Pioneer play. A resource cheaper is a big deal, right? Like, that is uh, significantly earlier. And in a format like Pioneer, where things happen very quickly, uh, good. Like, I, I've played against Rakdos Sacrifice a bunch on the Lotus Field side, and it just the difference between them being able to do something on turn four and turn five is you're dead. So like now on the play, if you have something like Obnixilis versus something like Corvold, you have a much bigger chance in those games. And I think anytime you can shift your clock down just a little bit, uh, very big deal in that format. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. But like those, that's also the type of matchup where you don't really want that card anyway. You know, it depends. I could see setups where you do on the play, actually. Like, you, you just need to hard guarantee that you win on a certain spot. In the, like, your goal is to make it to turn five with your disruption. You know, you thought sees whatever other pieces of control you need to use. And then you do that on your first couple turns. You play this on turn four. And then on turn five, you win the game. You have to win the game on turn five or you will you will lose eventually. And I think when you're in those type of scenarios having just a hard commit to the slot. And look, if I'm not saying you would only play this for this matchup. Like that's, yeah, but yeah. You're, but you're if you have it already, I do think it's important. Okay. Yeah, I, I could buy that, I guess. All right. Uh, some more things we talked about. What about Nahiri Forged in Fury? This has affinity for equipment, so I don't think we talked about this. No, we did not. <laughs> 4R-Dub, 5-4, Legendary Creature Core Artificer, the aforementioned affinity for equipment. And whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. You may cast equipment spells this way without paying their mana costs. This card does not excite me. No. No. And I, I told least. you I messed around with the equipment deck too. And like, Did this do it for you? Did this solve all the problems your equipment deck had? No, because it's not like you're going super wide with equipment, man. I mean, yep. maybe, maybe you have like two maybe three but even all then, of these cards insist that you go super wide with equipment and nobody does that ever <laughs> they're just like you're gonna play like 40 pieces of equipment right and everyone's like no why would i do that i will say four murin was a step in the right direction but we're still not there no we're not all right uh danitha no we talked about danitha here is resolve all right i 
I am just committed to like, I'm going to kind of eyeball it and just immediately make a decision as to whether or not we've talked about it, which might sure. mean that we're going to miss a card. That's fine. Oh, that's fine. Life will go on. Now, here is result. Three R dub enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, plus one, plus O and have haste. At the beginning of your end step, exile any number of non-token artifacts and or creatures you control. Return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of your next upkeep. You know, you know how I feel about those effects, Gerald. That is extremely, extremely exciting to me. Uh, and that front side is weird. Like the the plus one zero in haste is kind well, of well. It's because they come back on your upkeep, right? So uh, yeah, I know, I know, but like they don't have to. I mean, I I guess it is useful for balance for sure. Well, then then you just never attack again with the stuff that you're blinking. That's fine. What what do I want to attack for? I'm doing everything I want to do in a game of magic. I'm blinking. I'm having a great time. Let's keep it going. I don't want to end this. That's fair. Uh, I don't like this card very much. I do think that, you know, like, Urian certainly had the problem of, like, you blink all the stuff and it just comes back untapped and you're ready to block or whatever. And this is like, okay, this that was a little bit too good. So if we're going to blink it out, let's blink it out for, like, a full turn cycle and, like, really punish you. And I, I think that that's too much. Yeah. It, now, like, mission accomplished. You have punished me so hard. I think I can't do it anymore. Yeah, but uh, a, f a five mana, just, like, blink basically all your stuff every turn. Like, it's powerful. I want to set up some type of scenario where I have life gain effects that trigger on ETB and I'm just sitting there behind me here. He's resolves <laughs> gaining life forever. That's all I want to do. Yeah. That, that does sound like it kind of rules. Seems pretty plausible. I'd have to look at what's in the format, but there's gotta be enough permanence that just let you uh, bink up your life total. And you're like, so basically my deck is, is sweepers life gain. Nahiri's Resolve, uh, maybe like some nice modal stuff that does I mean, this ramping is, slash defending. This is one of the cards that definitely forces you to do a Scryfall search, except in this case, you're actually just playing with like the dregs, right? Just, yeah. you know, some some three mana enchantment that like, or I guess not enchantment because this doesn't play enchantments. Yeah, like, artifact or creature. Yeah, it's just some piece of garbage that's just like ETB gained six life, something that you never would have touched before or whatever. So I, I know they exist somewhere, and I am I am willing to log onto Arena and ruin someone day someone's day by gaining three hundred life. No, it's going to be your day because the game is going to take two hours. <sighs> but I'm only going to play one of them, so I'll be fine with it. Yeah, like uh, I'll be like, okay, I did it, and then I'll log off for the day. All right, next up, Gold Forged Thopterix. You dub one three artifact creature dinosaur thopter flying lifelink. Each legendary permanent you control has ward two. Did, did we need this? Did we need more legendary support? Uh, seems pretty strong to me. I think it slots into all these Esper Legends decks very easily. Uh, and I'm not even sure you like have to start it. I, I don't think it has to be in your main deck. I think it probably can be in some number. Um, but in some matchups, this is going to be a really, really big deal. And yeah, at, at low cost as well. And, you know, I don't think the lifelink is going to be irrelevant in those particular matchups either. I think you're no. very happy to have this evasive threat that's coming in over and over. So, yeah, we, we were super happy to find Denik as a relatively cheap lifelink card that you could build up with Rafine. So mm -hmm. this does that while also having flying. So if it takes a couple turns to get to the point where it can reasonably attack, you know, then all, all the better. So yeah, you can totally live with that. Yeah. This card is good. Uh, you know, low power level on its own. So if they are interacting with all of your other stuff and like leave you with this, you're not going to be super happy about it, you know, but this does help protect all of your other stuff. So the likelihood of that happening goes down by quite a bit. So I like this card a lot. Yeah. There's some going to be going to be some good curve outs uh, out of the, Legends decks into this card. One drop into this, into three drop. It's it's going to be tough to come back from that scenario. I feel like Feast of the Victorious Dead we talked about. I don't know. Right, I'm skipping it anyway. I'll allow it. Talked about those two. Okay, we have a land. Draineth Ruins. Taps for colorless, and you can pay two and tap it to put two plus one plus one counters on target non-human creature that entered the battlefield this turn. 
All right. Kitchen Finks loops. Let's go, baby. Why does it always come back to Kitchen Finks? I don't know. I have a I have a problem with that card. Like I long have had a problem with that card. I would actually say that's one of my favorite magic cards of all time. Uh and I I don't know why. Um I, I don't know why either. Yeah. But this effect is good. Like um, a lot of a lot of small ball decks very happy to get this buff uh when there's mana and efficiency to be found. You just have to be willing to take some colorless cards and or be able to accept some colorless mana in your mana base. And we've seen that from things like the uh, Infect decks, which are not called Infect, Toxic decks. Um, I think there is some competition already for those colorless slots. But A lot, yeah. yeah but this card seems solid to me at the same time. Uh, I've mostly just been let down by cards like this. Obviously, this one is maybe a little bit better on rate than the ones before it. Non-human is pretty annoying, considering that's the most common creature type. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a thing. Who knows? I think it seems fine to me. I, I think a lot of decks will play like one of these. All right, more cards that we've talked about. Colagon Warmonger. I feel like that's new. Not ringing any bells. 2R, 3-2, Creature Ogre Warrior, Haste. Whenever this attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a dragon card from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This card rules! Yeah, that's not bad at all. That's that's really good, especially coming from an uncommon 3-2 uh, with Haste. Pretty acceptable stat line. Good, solid card. I'm yeah, interested. We were talking about like Samit earlier uh, uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever. And it was like, oh, three mana, like Haster that maybe gives you a card or whatever, but it's it's got a lot of conditions, you know? Yeah, much fewer conditions here. And this is like just like, just you like dragons? Well, yep. yeah. Not bad. All right, tight. Uh, Plarg, we, we definitely talked about. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited to see that. We're, we're all plugged out over here. Uh, Markov Baron? Nope, we talked about that one. Convoke Vampire Lord, tight. Yeah, that was a weird one. Death Rattle Oni. Wait, no, we talked about this one too. Talked this is about just, this. This is just the, you see the new art, which is the normal art. What art did we see before? I don't know. I don't remember, but I don't know. This one is creepy as hell. Yeah. Got a lot like of limbs. Extra limbs. I think we talked about all these black cards. All the blue cards look familiar to me. Oh, here's a new one. Uh, Spark Rupture. I don't believe we talked about that. Did we talk about all of these cards already? No, not not Spark Rupture. No, I know, but I, all the ones leading up to that. Yeah, I think we did. Okay, Spark Rupture. Two dub. Enchantment. When this enters the battlefield, draw a card. Well, dude, you're... I don't know what the rest of this card does, but with your Nahiri's blinky yep, thing. I'm blinking up a storm. All right. Each planeswalker with one or more loyalty counters on it loses all abilities and is a creature with power and toughness, each equal to the number of loyalty counters. Amazing. This is how my deck is going to deal with planeswalkers. It was a problem for me because they were going to create persistent advantage before. Now I just get to blink this, draw all the cards I want, and then I'll wrath them away. I can't lose anymore. This deck is broken. All right. You did it. G. Yeah, they, they lose all abilities, so they're just locked in at that for all time. Huh. Yeah, Blood Moon for Planeswalkers. And this this card seems very, very strong to me. Very strong in a lot of metagames. So what is what is the storyline context for this? Uh all their sparks ruptured. And now they are. Do just we just have creatures. no more planeswalkers? Do we only just have battles? No, I don't. I don't think this applies to all planeswalkers. I think this applies to many planeswalkers. Things I, like I don't know, man. This says each planeswalker. So, so you think all planeswalkers have lost their spark? Do you think they're going to go away from planeswalkers for a while? Is that what we're looking at? I mean, there's no planeswalkers in this set, right? There's a lot of, uh, a lot of former planeswalkers who were formerly planeswalkers. Yeah. No, nah, I don't know. It, it seems weird if they're going to do a multiverse thing without characters capable of traversing the multiverse, but what do I know? I just realized that all 10, uh, all 10 mythics in the set were formerly planeswalkers, so 
They all shifted to creatures now. Good for them. I think that's bad for them, actually. I don't know, though. Like, it feels like there's a lot of pressure on being a planeswalker. Yeah, like, there, dude, it's it's one of those things where it's like, do you actually want immortality? Yeah, there is some value of just like a simple life, you know, hanging out, guided by fate, or just sitting around and being very bellicose, whatever that means. Those are just simple, easy, sparkless lives, and maybe it is good for these these folks. I feel like if you could planeswalk, there would be a lot of pressure on you to be involved in, uh, you know, just like multiverse wide struggles, right? Like great yeah. power, great responsibility, that sort of thing. It's like, could you actually sit down and enjoy just the day to day minutia of life? Now that I think about it, I don't feel like any of these characters have any enjoyment in their lives. They all just seem to be at it. All the time, whatever it yeah. is, they're, every they're three always months, in man. It. Every three yeah. months, they deserve a break. I want a magic set of just all these characters chilling, going to the beach, <laughs> playing <laughs> you, volleyball. You want the filler anime episode? Of yeah, magic that's what I'm looking walkers. for. Okay, I think that would be great. That's what all the aftermath sets should be. It's just like, all right, well now, <laughs> just chilling. Yeah, J- Jason Braska go on vacation or whatever. Chandra and Liliana's tea time. Yeah, sure. I'd buy it. Anyway, uh, set set definitely feels like it is sort of from the cutting room floor. A lot of very strange words on a lot of the cards, but I kind of dig it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool uh, for the most part. Like, like, you know, obvious concerns aside, fatigue, things like that. Uh, the question of like, could these just have been cards in other sets? And, you know, who are they serving? How happy are standard players to get this injected injection into their format like what good does it do for the competitive game is it just about making more commander cards all those are very real questions on the whole though there there are a lot of very interesting cards here and like cards that make me want to build decks so yeah uh, usual i'll also counter i'll counter a lot of the stuff that you said where as far as supplemental products that they have released this feels far less offensive so I don't know. Maybe it's just me 10 years ago. I would have been very offended or something. I don't think so. But given the things that have happened since then, I'm just kind of like numb to it. I'm just like, oh, this is not that bad. Yeah, I, I have kind of the opposite option. And I think you could take it either way. Like you can either be like, oh, this is closer to what I believe a supplemental set would be. Or you could be like, oh, I would love this if there wasn't 400 other supplemental sets. And that's where I fall on it, I think. Um, and like I said, if this was 10 years ago, I actually think I would be over the moon about something like this. Yeah. Um, so I, I see both sides of that argument. I think either way you want to take it is completely reasonable. Yeah. Either way, it's weird. We'll see if we do more of these or not. Uh, either way, if if this is just one done, cool. If this is a thing that they do, you know, once a year, once every two years or whatever, I'm cool with that too. If this is a thing that happens every set. I'm less happy about it because probably don't need to do it. And like you mentioned, a lot of these cards could just be in that set probably in a lot of instances. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully done sparingly, it will be pretty good and be a thing that I'm happy about. But if this- Let's do- Go ahead, sorry. No, just if this is the end of it, I'm fine with that too. Let's do a flash top five. No preparation. We haven't we haven't prepped this. I closed I closed my window already. <laughs> well, you're gonna you open it and I will give you my top five cards. Oddly, then, I am not one of the people that has like a hundred chrome tabs open at all times. I'm very good at like Same. I'm I'm not using this. I'm done with it. I'm gonna close it. But then there are definitely a lot of times where I just have to go back later. Um so for standard. Yeah, for standard. God, I don't even remember the cards that we talked about before. Uh, the Nissa was good, right? Nissa was good. Oh, that was like Elf or Elemental, though. That was more of a pioneer modern thing. Uh, the Thopter. I'm down with the Thopter, even though it's it's not going to be a four of or anything. You're talking about Pia? Well, I like Pia. I don't think that Pia is necessarily good. No, I was talking about the blue-white, all your legendary things get ward to. Oh, okay. The Dino Thopter. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, Ob in older formats, uh, I'm I'm down with. I don't know. What's what's even like actually good, I guess? 
All right. Let me give you my let me give you my top five for standard. Uh Thopter, good choice. Gold Forge Thopter actually it's a very Nailed easy it. slot in. Cosmic Rebirth. I'm gonna put up there. I, I just think that card seems very real to me. And, nah. Uh, I think I think it's powerful. Uh let's put let's put Calyx up there. I think if Calyx gets the right support, that could be a top five card. I'm a believer. Uh, if Calyx revitalizes one of those enchantment decks, then definitely a good top five card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seems reasonable. A lot, of, a lot of these cards reaching back to older formats, trying to really find ones that are hitting standard. I'm I'm gonna go into Hiri's Resolve. I know I was kind of memeing a little bit, but like the more I think about the potential value that is present on this card, if there are the right pieces in standard, and you know, it, this combining with Spark Rupture is actually a big deal. Like I think that is an important combination in a lot of scenarios. Um that effect can be very powerful. And I think I've shown that before with some of my weirdo Yuri index. Once you start blinking things, things get out of control very quickly. This has some safety valves, but it can be abusable anyway. So that's going to make my top five. And the last card will be... Oh, Lord. There's got to be a good one here. Mm. Oh, you have to put Cosmic Rebirth on your list. I did. You just oh, yelled okay. at me for putting Cosmic Rebirth on my list. Did I? Yeah. No, that, I... Was the, that was the second card I mentioned after Thopterix. I don't know. You've talked yourself into it in the interim. As long as you came around, that's all I care about. No, I was saying it should be on your list just because oh, of how much you talked is. about it. Yeah, it's there. Uh, I'm splitting my last slot between Nashi Moon's Legacy and Jarena Dauntless General. I think that both of those cards are sort of occupying spaces that are already spoken for. Jarena in particular has some more potential to reach back to older formats than in standard. But with the right support, it could be good enough. And Nashi. It's just a powerful card, even if it's competing with a lot of other things that do similar things. So uh, that is my top six, I guess. Man, looking at, at these for standard, there's a lot of them where I'm like, oh, I like, I kind of like this card, you know, but they fall into the category of the, uh, you know, 11th to 20th place yeah. for a normal set or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, these cards are going to need, a lot of them are going to need some rotation to actually shine, I think. Yeah, and even then, there's so many of them, it's like, well, this is Dragon Tribal or this is Human Tribal or whatever. So they also depend a lot on the stuff that exists around them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I refrain. I like my Gold Forge Thopterix for the last two months or whatever that this is a standard format and uh yeah the rest of these cards don't exist to me okay we'll just delete them that's fine cool uh pro tour happening as we speak yeah maybe not as you hear this but certainly as we speak uh definitely a lot of red black x and a lot of them ended up just being back on Invoke Despair, I thought we kind of got to the point where it was like, oh, you know, reanimating attracts is mostly just better than that. And then March the Machine, uh, I guess, like, we did our set review, and then I played a bunch of Standard, but we didn't really have a show where we talked about it or whatever. I was kind of, like, sending you deck lists at various points, but uh, Atraxa, not necessarily like the only thing that you should be reanimating at this point. Like Atali is actually pretty good too. And yeah. I don't know, for whatever reason, that is a card we I don't even think we read during the set review. Um, and it was just, you know, something I looked at afterwards and it was like, oh, this is actually not that bad, where it ETBs and you get to cast the top spell of your deck and your opponent's deck, which I don't know, this is good with reanimation. If you want to blink it, you can go down that route, you know, and is a thing that is a little bit more castable than Atraxa is. Like, I've definitely played games where you're, like, a color short or whatever from, from casting Atraxa, so that does matter. It does come up. And then uh, March also has the Amonkhet battle, which turns into a body double, which works pretty well with both of those, giving you a slightly better reanimation angle than just being kind of pigeonholed into cruelty of Gix. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I really do like 
the reanimator stuff, especially now, especially after March of the Machine. So I agree with you. Okay. I, I think uh Atali in particular was a card we should have spoke about more than we did. I think it just very cleanly slides into everything that was already happening in standard. Uh, much like a bunch of other cards we identified and had pretty high on our list. Uh, the most interesting thing I think to look at is what is being played uh, from March of the Machine. Like, what are the most played cards? And the first place one, I think, pretty obvious, actually. It is Lithomantic Barrage by an order of magnitude. And there's 364 copies of that. The most interesting part, none in the main deck, as you would expect. Like, this right. is a very clear sideboard card. Uh, but, you know, it, it's often... It kind of speaks to how difficult it is to make a top 10 list because should this have been the number one card in a top 10 list? I don't know. I don't know if that really accomplishes. It's very I, clearly one of the most powerful sideboard cards you could possibly play. I um, said no removal spells. Yeah, so and that, 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 that is falls why we under it. it. Yep, and I, I think correctly so. Uh, after that, the second most played card, a little surprising to me, it was Chandra, Hope's Beacon. And that was another card that didn't quite make our list, but people really liking it uh, in strategies that already existed. And and that's what a lot of this is, is just like what can be plug and played, uh, you know, cards like Rona doing the same thing. That was very high on our list for exactly that reason. Um, Atali, like you mentioned, just slotting very nicely into these decks. So these are the main focal points of the format. And then there's a bunch of other stuff with sort of scattershot play making the cut. And maybe some of this will prove to be uh, interesting breakout type stuff that actually goes on to define this format. Uh, but right now it seems like it's very much just sort of uh, an addition to what we were already playing prior to this. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I do see a decent amount of innovation and in, like people trying new cards and everything, but it's in the same old archetypes that we've had for the most yes, part. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Oh, wow. I'm <laughs> I'm scrolling through like some deck lists now and I see like fairy mastermind showing up in the legends deck. And I was like, that's not a legend, is it? And yeah, it's not, but it's just in there. So it's good. Cool. Good card. Yeah. The, I, I like the look of the Grixis reanimator decks that are like two attracted to Atali, three invasion of Amiket, and the Huri's Warcrafting as like a value removal spell, but like also mm -hmm. a thing that can just transform the invasion. Mm -hmm. Yep. Immediately and like gives you more outs to shield rid and stuff like that. So uh, I like mostly the look of that, I guess, from what I've seen so far, but I haven't delved all the way into this stuff yet. Yeah, we were into that Warcrafting setup in uh in our shows, and I think maybe the invasions that are being transformed by it were not the ones we expected, but uh they're do they're doing the job and invasions pretty present throughout these cards. And again, not huge numbers. The most played invasion is actually Invasion of Zendikar at 36 copies. And that's getting slotted uh, into like the large ramp decks. And they're they're also using uh, Topiary Stomper as well, which is interesting. You know, you just get your immediate 4-4 body with a little bit of a, an upside, bringing a land with it. And then you play your invasion and your Stomper is ready to go playing offense and defense. So... Nice little bit of value there that's helping them bridge into that late game scenario. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It seems just okay to me, honestly. But, you know, that's kind of what these ramp decks do. They put together these pieces and they have to... The most important thing in a ramp deck is bridging. You have to find a way to bridge from, like, your third turn to your fourth turn specifically, I think. And... It looks like Stomper is set up to do that fairly well while also getting to that large end game. So, yeah. Uh, and I mean, get, gets to attack the invasion down too and get you like another mana source. So, yeah, another threat. Cool. I think that's fine. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm down. I don't know what the rest of the deck consists of. Um, I'm sure I will find it as I'm scrolling through here. Oh, I do see a Selesny Enchantments deck waiting for Calyx. Just a matter of time. Oh, this deck is wild. Okay. This this deck might cost you a lot of wild cards. I hope not. 
I will. I'll, I'll make a list and send it to you, but I won't build it myself. It's just on I'm, you. I'm so wild card poor, and I have to save them all to blink my enchantments. So <laughs> I think it's not in my best interest. Well, these are enchantments. You don't get to blink them, you know, but that's fine. No, I, I do like that uh, the, the metagame breakdown doesn't do a good job of necessarily, like, selling this because the, the non-Rakdos lists are very different. But scrolling through the list, it does seem like there are a decent amount of decks that are even trying to like go over the top of those sort of setups. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're they're all different. It's like you have various domain control decks that all look pretty different, and uh, just yeah, a bunch of different like green mid rangey things that are uh, trying to beat up on these decks, and like maybe maybe some folks have figured it out. A lot of Chrome Host Seed Sharks, for example, just like stuff along those lines where I don't know, it's, it's not like one person thought this, this was good enough. Like a lot of people are actually doing similar stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very highly represented card. Uh, I have more prototype questions. I feel like 90% of the show at this point is just me asking prototype rules questions. If I blink my prototype, it comes back in as the large side. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. It is favorable for you. You know that there's a prototype that gains life equal to its power. Oh, uh, I mean, oh, there's also the, uh, I think it's like a three mana three three, flyer that blinks a thing. It's all coming together, Gerald. Boulder Branch Golem, alongside a little bit of blinking, gaining six life a turn. There you go. Okay. That's that's the unplayable artifact that I was talking about. That like gains you six life. You did it. You found it. Uh, that's what I was looking for, baby. And. You know, uh, prototypes. I mean, we're talking about Karn prototype setups. Maybe, maybe you just got a stew going, man. I don't know. It seems like it. I'm I'm pretty happy with the pieces I found in this first Scryfall search. Are all these cards like rares or mythics? I hope so. Uh, Boulder Branch Golem is a common, so we are we are set mm-hmm. on those. Damn. Not going to be an issue to acquire. I wanted you to just be as maximally broke as possible just wipe out my account for doing this it's what i deserve not wipe out your account i want you to actually have to spend oh that just wouldn't happen <laughs> that would be as you're a gonna strict... have to spend eventually man it'll happen Nah, i'm, I'm good fam no nah, you you'll <laughs> spend. do that you'll spend uh what else i don't think there's a whole lot else we can really talk about until you know the results come in so yeah uh, that's fine. We've set the table. We'll come back next week, talk about what was good, what was bad, uh, what we enjoyed about coverage and the like. And and by the way, their their coverage setup, it keeps getting nicer and nicer. Like their cameras are sharp. Their tables are sharp. Uh, there's still just like weird things about following limited that I mentioned. But in general, you can tell they have invested into their technology quite a bit. And I, I noted it because they just frankly look a lot better than the pro tour we just put on and that frustrates me because i don't ever want to do something second best but they have a billion dollars and a corporation behind them so i guess they get this edge but it just like really really nice looking areas and i i wanted to call that out as uh something they've clearly cleaned up a bit and even things like the stages are really nice like the broadcast booths are really nice lighting rigs are good so all things that just fell by the wayside for a very long time that they've clearly invested in and still some small missteps things like the cameras being attached to the table so every time someone touches the table the camera shakes yeah not great uh, but that's that's very bad but yeah I, I think on the whole a lot of positive steps in the right direction and clean up those few things get them sorted out and that's how these things work right like you do it you don't really think about it and then you're like oh crap we can't have these cameras attached to this table and i'm sure it'll get it sorted out and it'll stop shaking by maybe tomorrow if we're lucky maybe um yeah when when people joke about small indie company it's like y'all y'all are just legit that you know yes so yes that is true and people may joke that wizards is that but clearly that is not the case like they they could spend as much money on these events as they wanted to yep and they're spending some more, so give them credit for that. I no, mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, they could certainly always spend less, and they've proven that for a long time. And in this instance, we're seeing things tick up in the right direction and them really investing and putting together a good broadcast. And I like to see it. Cool. Well, uh, if if we are all done, then I will go back to watching coverage, I suppose. 
Okay, let's uh, let's go watch some Pro Tour, and we'll meet back next week. All right, sounds good. Game. Good luck.